This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 45. John DiCarlo, the editor of OwlScoop.com. Ramir Vaughn, Declan Landis with me today. What's going on, guys? Great. Not a whole lot. They're just doing great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, it looks like he's about to start busting out laughing about something. Because <laughs> Declan, when you said his name, he did a little. <laughs> did a little I'm just excited to be on. Emote. I'm just yeah, on, you know, just like a little fist in the air. I'm just excited, you know. I I love being I'm excited. on. Excited. You know? I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Oh my goodness! My goodness. <laughs> Declan, did you really eat at the Olive Garden the other day? Yeah, yesterday. So uh, yesterday mm-hmm. was my youngest brother's graduation. Shout mm-hmm. out, Eli. And uh, Congratulations, we, Eli. Yes, we do a thing. So they do a mass in the morning with the whole mm-hmm. class, and then they do the graduation ceremony at night. Mm-hmm. And it's always been the tradition that in between, the person who's graduating gets to pick where to go for lunch. And, you know, usually we pick other places, you know, like I picked a seafood place. Mm-hmm. I forget what my other siblings picked. And he really wanted to go to Olive Garden. So mm. we went to Olive Garden for lunch. And it Did was, you try to change his mind? I mean, look, you know, it's his graduation. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, get in the way of that. But, you know, he, he was like, I want some authentic Italian cuisine. Mm. Let's go to Olive Garden. And, mm. uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know who would yell at me for Italian restaurant shaming your brother? Who's that? Someone, a part of our staff who's not not on the pod today. I was thinking Vaughn, but no, maybe not. Johnny, Johnny. Oh, no, Kyle. No, Kyle would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Johnny wouldn't say anything. Johnny don't got the right card. <laughs> I mean, are there, are oh, there decent? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Are there Olive good... great. <laughs> are there good Italian restaurants around you or no? Is it slim pickings? I'm sure there is. We're just, you know, I mean, Olive Garden's just like five minutes down the road. Wait, where so is just... where is his eighth grade school? Is this up by Sleazyanum or no? Is this like down in in, in Maryland? No, this is uh, Mount Aviat Academy in Maryland. It's mm. a great, great little place. Child's Maryland. Not to dox us, I guess, but yeah. That's... Well, you just did. So I guess well, it's too late, yeah. maybe, there, maybe there aren't too many good Italian restaurants down there. Olive Garden has got to be like bottom tier graduation like place to eat you know i love the kid it's an interesting pick to I'm say sure the least a, i'm really sure is. he's i'm sure he's wonderful he could is be, sweet he could be a sweet temple owl for for all we know yes bring we'll him see. into bring him into the city at some point we'll take him out i'd love yeah, to i great. think that's a great idea for for like some good i mean actually oh, is it better is it is it i know what the answer should be to this Declan. is it better than marrow's uh, that's where we went. No, it's not better than. Me. Okay, good. That's correct. It's not. <laughs> it's not. In like completely different levels. Yeah, I had like shrimp scampi or something. It just it didn't compare. It didn't compare. Mm. Just devastating. Maybe the maybe maybe the Olive Garden will never sponsor the scoop, but we'll we'll be able to live without them. <laughs> now that there's now that there's Olive Garden. Slander. We'll get them for WHIP. Yeah. yeah, as far as as far as they know, we didn't have this conversation. 
Got a great interview to play for you guys in a little bit with former Temple guard Shiz Austin. Shiz is one of the guys who helped get the Broad Street Birds team together for the upcoming TBT tournament. Really cool interview. Shiz is always awesome to talk to. And he gave us a sneak preview of some of the guys, some of the former Temple players who are, are going to be on this team. It's going to be coached by Tony Paris, who's a longtime Philly basketball trainer, even a, a filmmaker. They got Jason Thompson, eight-year NBA veteran on the team. Scooty Randall's going to be on the team. Shiz told us about some of the guys that he's going to reach out to to try to fill out the roster. Got some mailbag questions for you guys as well. Some some football questions, some basketball questions. Famous number 45s, guys. Uh, Michael, did I just catch you looking at your phone? Oh, you? that's a good one. No, I got a text. Sorry. That's okay. Michael Jordan is my answer. Yeah, the Jordan that's the second time around. Yes, that's that's Big Sean that's said. Two, three went to four, five. Bobby Wagner wore forty-five. Yeah, excuse me. Ramir, who is wearing number forty-five on the Eagles right now? Ah, um, offensive uh, special teams. He's not the kicker. He's not the punter. It was a famous clip too, broadcast clip. Not famous, but it's not. It's, a, it's, not it's a meme. It's a meme. It is Lovato. It is. It is, it is Lovato. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And if Caden were, were on the pod right now, he would tell us that former Eagle running back Vaughn Hebron wore number 45. Probably. Yeah. But Did yeah. Pedro Martinez wear 45 Pedro Martinez or do I sound wore, really dumb? Pedro wore 45. A couple of Doesn't um, Donovan Mitchell wore 45 too? Yes, good call. And uh, Denzel Valentine. Uh, who was really good at Michigan State. No, and not after that. So why would you take that shot? Not the shot. <laughs> That, what 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 Denzel Valentine? Am I missing the joke? Nah, he's just not good. I mean, he's fine. They were yeah. They were. I forgot who they were playing. I, he was with the Bulls. I forgot who they were playing, and they were down maybe oh, by like three right. or four. <laughs> and he pulled up on a fast break, and I think he airballed. Yeah, it was and not even was close. Just, the play by play guy was just like, "Why would you take that shot? That's not the <laughs> shot." <laughs> Didn't talk basically I lost McGraw. Didn't Tug McGraw wear – he wore number 45, the late Phillies closer. Yes. Father of Tim I McGraw. Think you're right. Yes. All our country music, dedicated country music listeners out there. Got some bangers, Tim McGraw. Yeah? Yeah, he does. Live Like You Were Dying. Love that song. Yeah. Which well, is about Tug. Yes. Yes, it is about Tug. Full circle. There we go. There we go. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation you deserve. We only get paid if we win. So in PA or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. As promised, really great Shiz Alston interview for you guys to listen to here. Again, the bulk of this conversation is about the TBT Broad Street Birds team that they've put together. It's not going to include Khalif Wyatt because he's going to be coaching the Big Five team. Javon and Ramir and I talked to Shiz about the TBT team. Also some good stuff from Shiz about his thoughts on the, the recent season and where things went wrong with this team that fell way short of expectations uh, talk to us about Adam Fisher. Talk to us about the importance of name, image, and likeness and getting getting the program 
some help there. A lot of good stuff here. If you're a Temple basketball fan and a fan of that last team that went to the tournament, just a fan in general, I think you'll really, really enjoy this conversation with Shiz, who's again, always good to us and a, a terrific interview. So we'll play this for you and react to it on the other side. Uh, we're really excited to talk once again to Shiz Alston. This is two interviews in one podcast season. So we feel <laughs> really, really lucky. Shiz, it's always a joy and a pleasure to talk to you. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, anytime I can get on here with you, it's a pleasure. So I'm doing good, though. Actually, I appreciate it. So you're out in L.A. right now? Yeah, I'm out in L.A. working out uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, just, you know, getting ready you know, all season. So having a little fun. I ask you about this Broad Street Birds team in the in the TBT form that's coming up. Um, I know you guys still have to formally qualify for it, but it seems like there's a lot of cool momentum going and you're one of the guys that's that's going to be on the team. Tell me how this all came together because it's it's been a few years since there's been a team of Temple alums and some of the guys have been had been split up among other teams. It, were you one of the driving forces in getting this all together? Uh, well, kind of. Uh, a guy named by by name Tony Paris. He usually uh runs summer wor- uh, workouts mm-hmm. and uh for uh, pro guys in all season. So we were down at uh, University of Penn last year, and he was like he formerly coached the Burley Love TBT team a couple years back. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to get back into it. It was like, hey, we should do a Temple team. And I was like, well, I know, you know, my guys that we went to the tournament with my senior year, I, mean, I know, you know, all my guys would play, you know, we we set it up. So uh, from there, he just kind of took control and just kept pressing the issue. And then now now we're here. So it's like you said, it's picked up some momentum. I think we need to get a few of the older guys on board. But, uh, you know, right now it, it looks like a possibility. I wanted to ask you about, about Tony as well if you could tell our listeners about him because he's been an important and really you know unique and well-versed person in the philly basketball community he's been a coach a trainer uh even a filmmaker he did that great documentary about six years back on the baker league tell people uh, about tony and, and again an important guy in philly basketball but i think a lot of people don't know about how important he's been no he's huge i mean he does everything for us every summer uh me and scooty work out with him uh you know, in the summertime, me and Scooty Randall, we work out with him. But he, he provides pickup games for us every summer. And all NBA guys come through, overseas guys come through, and even college guys play. So he does all this free of charge. You know, nowadays it's hard to get good trainers and things free of charge. So he does all this for, like, the love of the game. So he's very, like you said, he's very important for Philadelphia basketball right now because he just provides a space where we can all come together and play. So he's a great guy. So just to, to clarify, Scooty's he's coaching, but he's not playing. He's playing. Yeah, he, he's trying to act like he's not playing. He's trying to act like he's coaching, but he's not playing. <laughs> what is he? Why is he hesitant? Is he or is he going to be end up being a player coach? You think? Yeah, yeah, he's going to end up being a player coach. Is he wanting to get coaching as well too? Yeah, he wants to get into coaching, but he was saying he wanted to take the summer off from from playing. But we, we're going to force him to play. Shiz, I, I got to ask. You know, you were on that. 2018-19 team that went to the tournament, you, you brought them up. And, uh, you know, this tournament, this TBT team is going to have four of the top five scorers from that Temple team. You, Quentin, J.P. Mormon, uh, you know, Ernest. It, it, sometimes these TBT teams, they get they get thrown together from different generations of alumni, you know, even if there's talent there. But do you think you guys all coming from that same time frame of Temple basketball is going to, you know, create the chemistry you guys had from that year and really give you an advantage over the rest of the field. 
Yeah, I, I think so. That's a good point that you brought up. Like, we all – I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we were just playing in the tournament. So, I think that was probably four years ago. Maybe so. I think I think that the camaraderie we have and the uh, continuity we can bring on the court, that can help us win. And we only have to win four games to get a million. So, it's not, it's not that much. I mean, not that many games. So, I think we could do it. I know a lot of teams, they just pick random guys. And they don't know they don't know how to play with each other. So we know how to play with each other. So hopefully that'll work for us. You know, you got Scooty kind of towing the line between playing and coaching. It, mm-hmm. Did you try to solve that problem? You know, try to take Khalif Wyatt away from the Big Five team and try to help him rock out with the Temple guys or no? No, I haven't do that. Khalif, they tried to get me to play with the Big Five team, but uh, you know, I chose this team instead. So I haven't talked to Khalif yet though, but I might say something to him about that. <laughs> you know, you guys applied to play in the Syracuse Regional. Uh, you know, when do you find out if the team qualified or not? I think it's in a couple of weeks because I know we start playing at the end of July. So I think middle to late June is when we find out uh, if we're in or not. So I think we got to have our roster set soon. So we're trying to uh, get a few more pieces. I reached out to John. You probably know, uh, know some. I reached out to Will Cummings and Obi Vichionia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin DeCozy, uh Daniel Dingle is going to play with us. So it's, it's a couple of older, uh, some of guys I reached out to, so we're waiting to see if they can get on board. You guys were able to get Jason Thompson to be a center. Yeah. yeah. That's to be a big deal, right? Like, he has the local connection being from South Jersey and going to Ryder. Right, right. No, JT, he, that's big for us. We needed, a, we needed a big guy. I mean, if you guys watched Temple basketball the last 10 years, we haven't had an a, a offensive big guy to play with us, really. So we needed, we were searching for a big guy. JT, he's always around playing uh, pickup with us in the summertime. So he was down to be a part of it. So I think that's going to be huge for us. A guy, NBA experience, and just, uh, like you said, local local guy too. You, you mentioned some of the guys that uh, I was going to ask you about, you know, having a few weeks left, reaching out to some additional players. And you talked about Quentin DeCozy and Obi. What, what's the pitch like? I mean, obviously, it's like, hey, if we win, we win a million a million dollars. But everybody's scattered around the summer. People, guys are still playing. Their schedules are all over the place. Can you talk about, like, what those conversations are like when you're trying to recruit them? Like, is it just like, hey, this is going to be fun? You know, who and what would it mean to add a guy like Quentin DeCozy or Obi or those guys? No, it would be huge. I mean, it was a, it's a little easier to to pitch to the guys that I play with because I can just say, hey, let's let's run it back one more time. With those guys, I've just been saying, like, let's just do it for the school. Like, even if we don't win, we could bring, like, much-needed attention to the school with a new coach and, and things like that. You know, um, a lot of times, TBT, a lot of alumni uh, gather around them, and I think that's what we need right now. So, for the older guys, I've been telling them, like, let's just all get back together. We can all practice at Temple, be around the uh, new coach and the new players. It'd just be good be good for the program as a whole. So, that's that's really my pitch right now. Let's, let's try to do something to help uh, Coach Fisher out, maybe bring uh, some older alumni back and bring a little bit of hype, you know, around around our program. Shiz, how much interaction have you had with Fish and the, and the new staff so far? Uh, I, I've only been home for two weeks, so I, I tried to – I haven't been down there yet. I talked to him on FaceTime at the spring game. My dad was there and put him on the phone, so I talked to him on FaceTime a little bit, uh, and he was just telling me to come down like whenever I want. He wants to uh, introduce himself, and uh, I knew Bobby Jordan for a while, and of course I know Chris Clark for for a while. So Coach Fisher is the uh, only one I haven't uh, formally like met in person yet. 
but uh, I've talked to him on Twitter, on Instagram, and then for a little bit on FaceTime. Well, we'll dig into that a little more, but to shift back, you know, towards the TVT team, you know, mm-hmm. got Quentin Rose on the team, mm-hmm. had a breakout year, you know, in the G League with, with Westchester. Mm-hmm. What's it been like to see him develop and, and stay in the mix and still be able to keep his NBA dreams alive? You know, it, it's, it's great, man. For somebody to keep going through uh, going through that and keeping their hopes high and keep pushing through, like you said, having a breakout year and persevering through all that is, is great. You know, a lot of guys, once they don't make it one or two times, they're like, all right, we're going to go overseas and, and play and make our money over there. But uh, for him to keep pushing, him and Nate. Oh, Nate's another guy uh, I forgot. Nate Pierre-Louis is probably going to join us too. But Nate's the other guy who's, who who um, plays in the G League, who's who's keep pushing and trying to get those NBA dreams. So I think all we need, man, from Temple is one guy in the door. Once we get one guy in the door, I think it'll open up for a lot of uh, a lot of these players. You know, Nate's one of those scrappy, annoying defenders. <laughs> what's what's it going to be like to just tick him on somebody for the tournament? Hey, that's why I need him so bad. You know, he helped. He helped. That's that was his job my whole senior year. Uh, he held a guy to three points in the tournament. I don't think there's a better – I don't think there's a more annoying defender out there than Nate. So, uh, so hopefully he, he decides – he's getting married this summer, so it's going to be a little – the timing is a little difficult, but hopefully he joins us. Chase, I wanted to ask you about a, a guy that I think when, when people, when Temple fans go to a game and they look at the bench, they're going to know Shea Avellino when they see him as, as a manager. And I wanted to give him a little attention because he's listed as an assistant coach on, on the Broad Street Birds website. He's been a popular manager on the team – what can you tell us about Shea? Is just one of the guys that that works behind the scenes as a manager, and why it was important to have him on the team. Yeah, Shea's all Temple in. Like he's the most he's the most Temple you can get right now. Like he he's done <laughs> work out me, Scooty Randall, Deontay Christmas. Uh, even when Leaf was uh was playing uh, last or two years ago, trying to get back he rebounded for him. Like he has generations of of people that he's rebounded for and helped get better each summer. Um, over the past, I'll say three years since he three four years since he got the temple. So he has a connection with. He's one of the only guys that has a, con- a strong connection with the alumni and with the present players, and uh, we all love him. So it was important for him to be. It was special for him to be on the team with us, and hopefully, you know, it can just help his career because he wants to get into coaching. So this is a good start. A good start for him. Just how much do you know about the other TBT teams? Like, are there guys who you like worked out with, or you? looking forward to playing against? I mean, not specifically. I know there's going to be a lot of guys that I run into that I, I probably played against. There's a lot of schools. I think Penn State has a, a team in there. And there's a lot of uh, guys from Philly that's playing that I played against. Wichita State alumni team, I see them play a lot. We had a lot of battles with a lot of those guys on that team. So uh, just some of the alumni teams I, that I've watched uh, in the past, I'm, I'm excited to play against. Chiz, one of the one of the last times that we caught up with you here on the scoop, of course, was after Temple had beaten Houston, and that was a that was a huge point in the season. It was really, yeah, you know, they were really the definition of an up and down team where they were capable of beating anybody, and then they were capable of losing to anybody. and And Houston was the high end of that. From where you sit as a former player, you obviously have I know you have a ton of respect for Aaron, and you, and you've stuck up for him and defended him, and and I know that. You guys have, have have stayed in touch, and then on the on the flip side of that, we've stayed in touch. I know you're excited for the future with Adam Fisher. Well, why do you think, in your estimation, why do you think things didn't work out 
this year for Aaron and the team. I think all the guys will, would say to a man, like, we had the talent. It just didn't work out. You know the game. You know this program. From where you sat, I know you didn't get the chance to watch every game. There was a huge time difference. But what do you think went wrong? What what happened there? Um, like you said, it's a great talent. But from the from the get-go in the summertime when I was there, I was telling them there has to be a leader. It has to be some leadership that's not Coach McKee or Chris Clark or, or Monte Ross or even Jimmy Finnerty. It, it had to be a specific leader on the team that everybody respected, that could man the room. And I think that was uh, – I think that was the biggest thing that was lacking was the, the leadership. I think Damian Dunn was, was great for the job, but he's more of a, a – you know, lead by example type of guy. And I think that team needed a more, like a stronger uh, lead, uh, stronger like voice presence in there. So I think that was the biggest thing. A lot of things happened with, with Caleb and uh, Coach McKee and the staff. So I think that also put a little damper on the season. But like all those guys were very talented. Like if you look, they all went to impressive schools, whether it's uh, Cincinnati or Houston, Arkansas, so Memphis. So the, like you said, the talent was there. I just think it was the leadership. Um, of it. And, and, and to be honest with you, John, and all you guys, like nowadays with the NIL and the guys getting money, it's like it's different from when I play, when I played. Like we were kind of all in it together. Like we we knew that if somebody wanted to leave, they would have to sit out a year. We were all getting the same little stipend. <laughs> the little it's probably pennies to these guys now. But nowadays it's different. Everybody wants to perform so that they can go to the next school and get money, or they can get another deal. So it's hard for a coach to try to manage all that nowadays because, like, some some people are on the same page. Some people are in it for different reasons. So I think that was a big component of it, too, just the, the up and down of the season. Shiz, how do you and your former teammates or former players in general feel about Coach Fisher? We all think that he's great for the program. Like I told – I remember texting John this a couple months ago, a couple months ago that – I don't think we've ever had somebody like this as a head coach, at least since I was born. Coach Cheney was an older guy. Coach Dunphy was an older guy. And then Coach McKee's more reserved guy. So we've never had a guy with this much energy before. So I think this would be good for him. And we're all excited because he all – his number one thing is, is he tells everybody this is your program. He, he texts all of us and reach out to all of us from Chris, through Chris Clark sometimes and say he wants everybody to come back. He wants everybody to, to work out there in the summer all the pro guys, uh, overseas guys to come back, even G League guys um, to come back, and he wants us to practice with the team. So I think that's good. Uh, I think that's why everybody likes him, because he's so welcoming, and uh, he wants everybody to come back. Does having Chris Clark there and the continuity that he brings, does that bring you guys some comfort? Yeah, I think that was, I think that was key. I think that was key, man. I don't know how it would have went over with, our, with the alumni if there was not a Temple guy on staff. I think they would have been a little different uh, the way we the way we look at it, but seeing that he kept uh, Chris there, I think that that made it everybody accept him a little bit faster, just because he has one of our own on staff. He just he didn't try to come change everything, so I think that's good that he kept Chris there. Shiz, you you mentioned how NIL has kind of changed the whole well, not just college basketball but college sports in general. I, I look at a program like Villanova that's got like a, a team GM kind of sort of now to just handle NIL. What's it like seeing that unfold across the country now and thinking to yourself, man, one of these days Temple might need something like that. Like how how crazy is it to grasp onto that when you didn't get out of college basketball that long ago and now it's changed so much in such a short period of time? 
Yeah, you said might. I don't think it's might. I think they definitely gonna need something like that. Uh, just because you can't compete without it nowadays. Like, like I said, like our top maybe five or six players went somewhere else, and I know they probably all got lucrative deals to go other places. Whether like like I said, Memphis, Houston, Arkansas, all those schools. So you can't you can't compete without it nowadays, and it, it's crazy because like we were playing for pennies, like we were playing just for for free meal swipes and and room and board and things like that, but. These guys are playing for two hundred thousand dollars, one hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars in some cases. So it's a, it's a lot different, and it's I think it's a lot harder to control though. For these coaches, man, it's, it's like some of these guys are making more than assistant coaches. So it's like, how are they going to control them? So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how everything unfolds. Getting back to the TBT team, once you get the roster together. Obviously, you don't have too long before you know before you prepare to get out there and play the games. How do you build up chemistry in that short amount of time? Like, you know, Tony will be involved. Scooter will be involved. You'll be involved. You guys just meet as a team say, okay, here are a few sets we're going to run. Here's how we want to defend. Like, what, what is that like? How do you prepare for it in such a short amount of time? Well, the good thing is everybody that's going to be playing is played under Coach Dunphy. So, like, we all know the same terminology, even though it might have been a couple years in between some of us. We all know the same terminology. and We all know the same plays and things like that. So that was, that was one key that we wanted to – to stress, like, get a lot of guys that play a lot of minutes under Coach Dunk because we all know how to play with each other and he all kind of taught us to play the same way. So I think that'll be easier because uh, we all are used to playing off one, each other, uh, one another because of playing under Coach. So I think it'll be a little easier than, um, than most teams because we don't have that many random guys on our team. Speaking of Dumpf, I asked you about him before when we talked after the Houston game, and I want to ask you about him again because obviously, you know, I mean, he's he's trying to rebuild things there before he passes it on to the next guy. You know, they, they won two games in the A-10 tournament with a roster that probably was not as talented as some of the teams that they beat. Again, I'm going to assume that you probably weren't surprised because he's he's always been a really good X's nose coach. What, what did, did you get a chance to watch them during the A-10 tournament? Of course, I, I watched both games. I watched all the games uh, on the A10 tournament. But what did you th- What did you think of just the, of the job that he did this year? I think he proved again why he's a Hall of Fame, like why he should be in the Hall of Fame. It's just like you said to take that roster and to take those guys. And I said they're not talented, but it was so uh, it wasn't that much buy-in. Like I went to the first practice and it was like, should I stay? Should I leave? Am I like how's this guy going to be? So it wasn't a lot of buy-in at first from a lot of the players. And to see how he turned all that around, they had two five-game winning streaks, which is hard to do in college basketball. And then they won two games. So I just think that just goes to show, like, like old old school coaches, X and O guys, like they're they're still a big part of the game. Like nowadays, you just see these heavy recruiters getting jobs. Like they don't know much about the game; they just know how to recruit. But like it showed that a guy like Coach can really, you know, help a help a group of guys accomplish things. I, just going back to something you were talking about before with the, the continuity, how much of Dump's playbook do you remember and how much of that will you guys you know dig into when it comes time to, to play in the summer? Uh, I think I know all of it. Man. I, I'm pretty, I think I know every single every single play that Coach has ever thought about in his head. Uh, I just had it drained in me for four years straight. So I think all of us know because Coach, he, he's like very, very like strategic and like he says things over and over and over again. So, you know, you can't forget, you can't forget those things. So I think we all, I think it's going to feel like a glove. Like I think we all, we all excited. I think it's all going to fit 
great. I think we all are excited to play with each other again. I think it's going to be smooth. Does he know that you guys are putting this team together? Does he get a kick out of this? I haven't talked to Coach yet. I know it just it just kind of like over the last week it kind of just picked up steam because for the last couple of months it was like I don't know if we're going to do it. I don't know if we're going to do it. So we finally got some people to put things together for us. So I'll get back to Philly uh, in about two weeks. I'm, I'm going to call Coach and meet with him and, and talk to him about that. Yeah, Shiz, what's your, your plans, uh, you know, after you wrap up TVT? What, what are you planning on after that? I'm thinking of going back to Japan. Uh, I liked it out there. It was, it was fun. Uh, I like the culture out there. But I'm not opposed to going back to Europe. So it'll probably be Japan or, Japan or Europe for this, for this next season. What's the difference between American ball, European ball, you know, Japanese ball? Basketball changes all over the world. What's, what's the difference in style has been like for you? But it's crazy. So um, in, Europe, in Europe, it's more like fundamental. You run the plays. You run the play all the way through. Every time down, you call it a play. It's more like San Antonio Spurs basketball, if you want to say it like that. But in Japan, it's more of a big guys game. Like they have as many American big guys. There's only about three American guards in the whole league. So it's really uh, predicated on the big men over there. So it was a little different to get used to. But like you said, every every game is different. And, and over here, obviously, it's, it's up and down pace, fast pace, that's a shoot threes, things like that. So everywhere has its own style. You got to kind of just adjust to it on the fly. Just, just to, to wrap things up, one last question for you. I mean, just you've kind of been in a group of a lot of talented players from your from your general time and generation with Dumpf. You've kind of been, you know, one of the more outspoken guys, kind of like rallying fans or just chiming in on things and kind of being like this settled voice like it almost seems like you've become more of like this alumni leader so to speak <laughs> kind of like check in with you is that something that kind of just came naturally like do the guys some of the other guys like gravitate toward you in terms of what you're thinking it just seems like you've kind of been like a like a voice on social media that people yeah, yeah, yeah. trust in in that way i think it goes into like I, i've been a fan of temple all my life uh like going even back with my dad you know my dad played here and then Seeing Len Greer and then going to, you know, David Hawkins, Deontay Christmas, Ramon Moore, like all these guys, I was fans of, of, of the university. So I think a lot of times when you leave a university, you just leave it and, you know, you just forget about it. But I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, of, the, of the university. So I think that goes into it. And like you said, a lot of people like uh, I think for some reason they respect me. They respect what I have to say. So I think that goes into it, too. Like I have a, I have a great relationship between alumni and you know I don't know these new guys but last year with the players like I knew you know me and Damian Dunn were close me and Battle were close so I had a great relationship with alumni and current players so I think that that uh went along with it too but uh just a, a lot of like I was supposed to go to a golf outing to talk NIL I think last week but I was out of town so I think uh I don't know maybe it'll turn into something something maybe I can just I just try to help in any way I can I know a lot of guys have been reaching out to me to try to start some NIL stuff and to reach out to some alumni. So I think I'm going to start doing that soon. So I'm just trying to help in any way I can because I want to see this university be what it, what it should be. This was a lot of fun, as always. Uh, have fun out there in L.A., and then we'll be in touch. Hopefully everything goes the way it's supposed to. You guys will qualify and uh, maybe get four wins and get yeah, a lot of money out of it. Championship, championships at Drexel. So hopefully we can have a lot of people come through, a lot of fans come through. So it'll be fun. Sounds good. Thanks, Shiz. I appreciate it. Great talking to y'all. Ramir, you were part of the interview yesterday. What were some of your takeaways from the conversation? Shiz was very passionate about 
the topics that he talked about, whether it was TBT or Adam Fisher. He seemed very passionate in what he was talking about. And I think him and the rest of the guys actually like Fish and what he's going to bring. Like, of course, Shiz was talking about how he, you know, backed up McKee and stuck by him. But he's excited for the new era of Temple basketball. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he said we haven't had a coach like this in a while. Like, And I'm paraphrasing what he said here just now, but, you know, Fran Dunphy was more of an old school coach. John Chaney, certainly an old school coach. And and Aaron McKee, even though he's younger than Dunphy, younger than, than the late John Chaney, just talked about Adam Fisher being a younger guy with a lot of energy and seemed to be looking forward to that and talked about the importance of NIL resources. A lot of interesting insight about, you know, what he felt went wrong with the team this past season where they fell short. And still, as you heard in the interview here, they still have to, as of now, they still have to technically qualify for the tournament, which I believe they should. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but uh, I'm kind of intrigued that they got a, a pretty good big on the team there. And Jason Thompson, they sometimes the temple guys have not been able to get like a really good big. So we'll see some, some fun summer basketball content for y'all and provided again, that they qualify for the tournament. We'll have some coverage of it for you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into the, the mailbag here, and there's some football stuff here, some NIL stuff here, uh, some TV contract stuff here, conference realignment, more football stuff. So Esther Boyer, one of our Alscoop.com subscribers on the football message board, the question there is, do we open up the upper level for the Miami game? Meaning, is the upper bowl, the upper level of Lincoln Financial Field going to be opened up? for the Temple-Miami game. So Miami, the, the Hurricanes are one of the, the non-conference games the Temple's playing. So what do you guys think? You know, again, you haven't, you weren't around. Well, what was the biggest, what's the biggest crowd at the link that, that you guys have seen for a Temple football game? And I realize you guys are covering part of that. You covered part of the COVID era for Temple. So you got no crowds there. What's the biggest crowd that you guys have, have seen at the link? Maybe Rutgers this year. Yeah. And that was... A majority, well, not majority, but it was at least half Rutgers fans filling yeah. the entire, and they filled the entire lower bowl. So mm-hmm. it was a cool atmosphere, but yeah, it's a tall task, I think, to fill the upper decks. But a school like Miami on the East Coast, maybe it's a travelable game. It's it's early, so it'll be nice weather. Like you can sell that game to maybe have the upper bowl at least somewhat filled mm-hmm. a little bit. Because there's a lot of good momentum behind this program, but I think the the key to that is going to be can they go 3 and 0 to start the season? Can they like build up enough energy around the program to convince people to come down on a Saturday and watch the game? That's I think we'll the, the the more the the if there's a 1A to this question, I, I think you hit on the key point Declan. Like sounds boring, we've still got to cover preseason camp provided everybody stays healthy, provided a few things happen. The offensive line's better, the running game's better, all the guys that are returning get older, get better. But my answer to this would be like, yeah, sure, why not? But Declan, I think, hit on the key point. If they're at least 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh, like they should beat Akron, they got to beat Norfolk State. Ramir, what do you think? Could they be 3-0 and oh headed into this game with the, the Rutgers game going up to Piscataway to play Rutgers? I mean, that's the that's the one game where you say, okay, they're, they're, they're obviously, I don't know, and I don't even want to put Rutgers on a pedestal because for me, like until they get a quarterback, I think they're beatable. I mean, Temple almost beat them this past year. Do you think Temple could be three and zero heading into that Miami game and generate a decent crowd? For sure, I do think they could be three and zero. But like you said, it's a lot of factors and a lot of variables that we don't know right now that can 
that doesn't give a clear picture into the future, I guess mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. But mm-hmm. they have to. I think if they do beat Rutgers, then the upper bowl will probably be filled because as a casual fan, they'll look on the they'll look they they could be two and one heading into that game. And you'll look on the casual fans will look on the the schedule and be like, okay, who have they beaten so far? Akron, eh, Norfolk State, what is that? Like you you know, that's how casual fans think. And that's a lot of selling. You you're gonna get the the diehard Temple alum, Temple grads who come to every game. You're going to get those regardless. If you're going to sell tickets and open that upper bowl, it's going to be because the casual fans have interest. And Rutgers, they have to be Rutgers in order to get that. To yeah. I don't think they'll be, I don't think it'll be a sellout. Miami's fan base is tricky too, because even down there, they're one of those ACC programs where if they're playing Florida State or if they're playing a marquee game, they draw well. But Otherwise, their 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 home attendance is is very average. But I could see if Temple's three and zero going into that game, BJ Warner's progressing, everyone's progressing. Yeah, I could see the the lower bowl being full, and maybe you see some people scattered around the upper level. So, yeah, Esther Boyer, I think I think that the upper level could be open up for the Miami game. Um, next question here: the screen name is Temple J from the Alscoop uh, message board from one of our subscribers. That's a screen name there. Since NIL name, image, and likeness is on everyone's mind, can we get any update on the tough funds momentum? I mean, we're not sitting here talking to the the three guys who are overseeing the tough fund. They they occasionally post updates on our, our message board here. And I think they were pleased. I'm here. I'm speaking on their behalf. I think they were pleased with the initial momentum that they had this year, but you know, if you're an Alscoop subscriber and and you see updates that they post, I think they're looking for more momentum and more help and more engagement. NIL is going to be an ongoing thing, not just for retention, but for recruitment, which is very important. Again, if you just listen to the Shiz Alston interview there, it's a must. You know, basketball needs help with it. Football needs help with it. I mean, I, I really couldn't speak on their behalf, but just from, you know, the updates that they post think they would say that they still need a lot more help in future so we'll see but uh, again it's obviously as she has said and if you follow college sports nationally it's a it's a critical piece of things in terms of recruiting and retaining players the next question here is from twitter from the screen uh excuse me the twitter handle off the hook three i know it's a long way off but there's no chance temple continues to make six to seven million dollars a year in the next tv contract do we know what the long-term plan is? Do they help to fall forward into the remnants of the ACC? Yeah, I mean, there's always the, to answer that question, yeah, there's always the possibility that you know ESPN could go back to Mike Oresco and the Americans and say, hey, you lost Cincinnati, you lost UCF, you lost Houston, you know, you're 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 losing teams. You know, we lost a couple of media markets there. So yeah, they could see a dip in TV revenue. Yeah, you know, would would Temple hope to fall forward into the remnants of the ACC? Well, yeah, sure. But let's you know, let's think about this for a second. And I always say that conference realignment, I don't cover it on a national level. It's tricky. It's hard to try to wrap your head around it unless you're really, really sourcing things in, in a strong, dependable, reliable way on a national level. But if if and this is a big if, if Clems in Florida State, North Carolina, Miami, NC State, Virginia, Virginia Tech. They, if they, you know, they've reportedly met to talk about how unbreakable their grant of rights agreement is. 
the one that would be set to expire all the way down the line in 2036. I think Sports Illustrated was the first to report that. Those schools would have to pay a really substantial exit fee in the neighborhood of like $120 million to get out before then, which would mean they'd either need a combination of boosters in their new conference to help them get out of it. It's it's a huge lift, but again, anytime I think I know something about conference realignment, there's some sort of other dramatic development we'll, we'll see. But let's say hypothetically that happens somehow, and the programs that are left over in the ACC as of now would be Duke, Louisville, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech. So yes, if the ACC wants to bring in Temple, a top five media market, which is only you know part of the equation. Temple has to win and rebuild its fan base and and show some sort of actual vision and strategic plan and fundraising strategy from the athletic department. Yeah, sure. If that happens, yeah, you you take that offer in a heartbeat, but we'll see. You know, things change daily, weekly, monthly. Again, I don't profess to have super, super plugged in national sources on this stuff. But yeah, if that were the case, then sure, absolutely. You'd want to fall into line with the ACC. And again, the, the Clemsons of the world and the Florida States and North Carolinas would be gone, but Duke's still around, Syracuse, Wake Forest, you know, like, you know, BC, Pitt, you know, Syracuse, you're talking about some of the former old school Big East programs there. Louisville was around for a little while in the American before before they left. So yeah, that would absolutely be a better situation, but uh, we shall certainly see. But again, I mean, Temple really needs to get its act together in terms of winning, strengthening its its fundraising base. And I feel like the goalposts are moved all the time when you talk to people about this is it about media markets some people say yes some people say well how many fans are streaming streaming content it's we'll have to see but yeah if we were just taking a straight line at it yeah you would absolutely hope to fall forward on this last question to round things out here pat egan one of our our loyal listeners longtime supporter of the scoop part of the john kincaid show great to hear john back on the air this week by the way so john if you're listening we love you we miss you Great to hear you back on the air and uh, know you're going to make a full recovery. Pat Egan tells us or asks us, which football position group do you think makes the largest leap next season and which position excites you the most? So kind of a two-part question here. Ramir, I'll start with you and then we'll go to Declan and I'll, I'll finish this out. Which position group do you think will make the largest leap next season? So again, we'll know more in August, but it's not August. It's is it June yet. What is today's date? Yeah, it's June. It is June. 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 Just turned June. Yeah, June 2nd. Welcome. Yeah, welcome, June. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it's June 2nd, not August 2nd, not September 2nd. We know that. So let's let's have some fun with this. On June 2nd, looking far ahead, Ramir Vaughn, which football position group makes the largest leap next season? I'm going to go out of the box. I wanted to pick tight end, but that's low-hanging fruit. I wanted to pick offensive line because they. I don't think they can get any worse. But I'm a pick receiver, wide receiver. I think that I think Zay Baines takes a step. Ahmad is consistent. I think with number one receiver targets, he'll take a step forward. And I think one of the young guys might surprise. I I don't think it's Dewan. I don't think it's Dewan Mathis. I just don't see it at receiver as much as I said it. I believe I said it last week. As much as I want him to be that guy, I just mm-hmm. don't see it. He he's the only one in the room with size, but you don't necessarily, like, for example, look at the Chiefs. You don't necessarily, Kansas City Chiefs, you don't need size. Like, if you have an idea of what you want, you can make it happen with the guys that you have. But I think the receiver group will surprise some people this year. You think it's a guy like a, a healthy 
Ian Stewart or like uh I think Richard like a like a wild card like a true freshman like Richard Dandridge who comes in and and plays well right away what 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 makes it or is it just like you said like a Zay Baines and everybody else just getting older and better I think it's a combination of both cuz I do think I think Ian Stewart has the potential to be or what Adonicus was last year Adonicus Sanders was last year mm-hmm. I feel like he can fill that role cuz he does have some he does have some size to him but the injury, the injury concerns Dante Wright. I think he brings an element yeah. that not a lot of people have on on the roster. Like he's he's the speed guy, he's the go ball, he's jet sweeps, reverses things of that nature. It, yeah. If I had to guess, yeah. it'll be one of those two. Declan, what do you think? Position group that makes the biggest leap before we get to the position group that excites you most. I think this is this is kind of an asterisk. Like it's it's a caveat because. This group doesn't get better without another group getting better. But I think the running backs are really interesting. There's a pretty big question mark, I think, in that room. You know, you got guys coming in. You have Kyle Williams, who we have professed our love for publicly on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, We have EJ Wilson coming in, who looked really good in the spring game as well. And then you've got a guy like Ed Sadie, who popped off in that USF game. We saw what he's capable of doing. You know, you've got Darvon Hubbard also coming back as well. I think that's a group that could look really interesting, but that doesn't happen without the offensive line getting better, like Ramir said. So mm-hmm. the running back group is what I have my eye on, at least, going into the fall, but they're not going to have much success unless the people in front of them have success as well. So yeah, I think they'll take a pretty big jump, but the offensive line needs to jump as well. Yeah, I think I actually think the offensive line will make the biggest leap. And yeah, they are... They're losing Adam Klein. They're losing Isaac Moore. But Adam Klein struggled to to stay healthy. Isaac Moore did not. But I think if you give Chris Wiesahan another another year with this group, and you know something to work with. With I mean, he he every you know everybody every coach well most coaches like their roster at this point. They like their recruiting classes because there's nothing ahead but you know some optimism and the what if. I know he's pretty high on Diego Barajas. Melvin Ciani is a, a young guy and he will get beat and he will make his mistakes. But I think that he's starting to add some of the the length and like, this is what I want my offensive line to look like. I, I think that a guy like Wisdom Korshi has to be more consistent. I'm not saying he has to be an all-conference offensive lineman. And it would certainly help, of course, if if Rich Rodriguez could could stay healthy if he's your if he's your center, but I think, you know, with more coaching, a guy like Victor Stoffel gets better. Again, I, I think Weez is one of the better offensive line coaches in the country. I mean, he's, he really helped Deion Dawkins become the player he is. He helped a guy like Matt Hennessy become the player he is. And, you know, maybe one of the incoming freshmen plays well, you know, and, and see some time, maybe one of the interior offensive linemen. We'll see. I, I think they're the group that will make the the largest leap next season Ramir, what position excites you or intrigues you the most as as a reporter? In general, I would say the linebackers. The linebackers is probably besides tight end. They're they're essentially like the tight end group of the defense. They're the best group on the defensive side of the ball. I'm excited to see what Dewan Black can do, whether he plays off ball or on the edge, because he did both in the spring game, I believe. And mainstay Jordan McGee. Layton Jordan, outside linebacker. Excited to see he he excuse me. Layton Jordan is the only one who I think is draftable, 
right now. And I'm excited to see what he can do to add on to that, whether it's get bigger or continue to actually produce when he's on the field. Is Jordan McGee not a draftable guy in your eyes at 6'3", 225? Or you think he's like right on the fringe? Again, this this all conjecture at this point, very early to be having these conversations, but this is when we have some of these conversations. They're fun to float around. Is I can see, obviously, yeah. I can see it with Leighton Jordan. He had a hell of a year, and I know he's undersized. But where, where does Jordan McGee fit in there? I think he can make like a mini camp, but I don't know how draftable he is. Leighton has he's an edge rusher, so it helps. He has production at a premium position, so it helps. And Jordan McGee plays the position that isn't as valued in the NFL as it mm-hmm. should be as an off-the-ball linebacker. Also, the athletics, he has to show out combine pro day, whatever he, if he gets an invite to the combine, he has to show out. And if he can run fast, that's probably the only way I do see him getting drafted. But I do, I, I can see him getting like a mini camp invite. Declan, what, what position group excites you the most on this team? I mean, Mir kind of took the, he said it that the linebackers are the tight ends of the defense in terms of best position group. My answer immediately was tight ends when you asked the question. I think, you know, they figured out kind of toward the end of the season how David Martin Robinson fit in, how Jordan Smith fit in as well into the offense, and they just kind of exploded in those last three games of the season. I'm excited to see with a full season of valuing the tight ends as pass catchers in the offense. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what that can do. The two Clarks that are now on the roster, both with an E and without an E, uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. They've got a lot of athleticism in that uh, tight end group. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be a group to watch out for, especially as they try and develop the wide receivers, like we talked about earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a group you can rely on out the gate. Uh, there's a lot of good yeah. run blocking in that group as well, which can help the the running backs in the alignment. So I think it's it's the most versatile group on the offense. It's probably the the group that's gonna be important in those first three, four, five games of the season when they're still trying to figure each other out and come together as an offense. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm excited to watch those guys. I think that'll be really interesting. I'd have to go with the tight ends too. I mean, I'm excited to watch the running backs because again, it's easy to say the running backs because it was just, it was just such a, a dud of a position for him last year. And then I mean, look, Ed Sadie had a terrific 200 plus yard game against USF. And I, I sounds like I'm going to be trying to take away from his <laughs> performance here, but USF had a, a bottom bottom of the barrel run defense, but look, Ed still played well in that game, but I think they're really excited about Jaquez Smith. I don't know that he has elite, like best of the best top end high school running back speed out of Florida type of ability, but he's a tough runner. He breaks tackles. He'll have some ground to make up because he wasn't an early enrollee like, like Kyle Williams was, but I'm excited to see what they can do. But yeah, with the tight ends, I'd have to agree it's a big if, but if, if if DMR stays healthy, you know what he can give you. We've talked about how good Jordan Smith can be. I mean, he's basically like a like a big wide receiver. He can stretch the field. He can catch the ball over the middle. I'm a little intrigued to see you know if if Pierre Clark gets into the rotation. Uh, he has an insane work ethic. He's he's a kid from London from the NFL Academy. Graduated from the NFL Academy in December and participated in spring ball and Reese Clark and Mir, I don't know, like this is, we've talked a lot about how like some guys pop in the spring game and it's just on one play and then you can't put too much into it. But yeah, that jet sweep they ran with him. I was like, all right. Now again, do I think they're going to be running 
a ton of jet sweeps with Reese Clark during the regular season. <laughs> no, but who knows? He might not even play. Well, we talked about this on a previous pod. Like he's, I mean, he was pretty good at St. Joe's prep, but I didn't know he was that fast. I mean, like even just eye test and nothing more, regardless of who he was going up against and how watered down things were in the spring game, which they always are. Still, I mean, he kind of popped a, a little bit, right? Didn't he kind of make you say like, oh, wow, I, that's that's Reese Clark there, like running a jet sweep. But he looked like he could do it if like the blocking's there, which is, I know, like a dumb thing to say because you needed the blocking to be there on any on any productive run play. But I, that was that was kind of intriguing to me. You know, like I, did, I don't know if that was just an aberration or you think that's something they could actually like throw in there every once in a while during the season. I think it is, but I don't think you'll see it this season because I think he's the only one who can really do it. And since the group is so deep, like I was thinking about it, maybe the last time we talked about it, this team is going to live in 12 and 13 personnel because they don't have that necessary depth or that guy out there at receiver. And that, that not, that not only allows them to run the ball a bit more because now you, you can go heavy and you can have, let's say DMR and Jordan Smith out there in 12 and you can run out that formation or if they decide if the defense decides to go big and they decide to match up three, four, four, three, five, two, whatever you can pass the ball because Jordan Smith is such a dynamic receiver. But back to your point about Reese Clark, I, I want him to play simply, simply because of the jet sweep, simply, simply because mm-hmm. of the jet sweep. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said before, he can play H. I think he's the only one who can be an H back. Mm-hmm. He's the only he's the only tight end who can play that position right now because I think Jordan Smith is more of a slot big slot than an mm-hmm. H back, but I think Reese Clark won't do it this season simply because the depth is ridiculous at tight end. And maybe or or maybe you know maybe Dante Wright. Ian, maybe Ian Stewart stays healthy and he's a good, I, I mean, I don't think Ian Stewart's a burner, but he's got good size at six three, two hundred ten pounds. We saw him play, you know, before he got hurt, granted it was against, um, I mean, he played fairly well in the Lafayette game when EJ broke into the lineup, but unless he takes a huge step forward, I, I think Dante Wright could be pretty good. Ahmad Anderson has the ability. He just has to, eliminate some of the and part of this is on special teams eliminate some of the negative plays hold on to the ball but i think like yeah that the catch he made against navy was a big step even though they lost that game in overtime i agree with you unless they can really find somebody who consistently can stretch the field yeah i think they're going to be living more in like 12 personnel sets and stuff but yeah i i don't know that reese clark play again as much as i say uh you can't take too much out of one play or one person in the spring game i just i remember sitting there thinking huh okay I didn't know he could do that. That so. was new. Yeah. Yeah. So we shall see. Appreciate everybody listening this week. A big thank you again to Shiz Alston for joining us again. It's always enjoyable to catch up with him. And we will talk to you all soon. Enjoy your enjoy your your first well, it's technically not summer yet, right? Your first week of first week of June and, and, and warm weather. Pre summer. Pre summer. Been a summer for a month for me. I checked out as soon as finals <laughs> were over. Sure. Heading back to the Olive Garden again tonight? Maybe. Never say never. Well, Wilmington has some good Italian restaurants, right? They do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just broke. I uh, mean, we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a, like maybe a little, little trip to Wilmington. Okay. See all how right. that goes. I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. All right.
You guys, you guys like sushi? Isn't Mikimoto down there? Isn't that a pretty good sushi place there? Heard good things. Bank Seafood, also good. Although okay. Caden would tell you otherwise. That's the place that's like right <laughs> on the water, right? Yes. Beautiful. Like the big gray facade to it. Yes. No free okay. shout outs. No free shout outs. All right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, for joining us again for another episode. Thanks to Ramir and Declan for joining me. And of course, Javon on the on the Shiz interview as well. Talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.